0: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all,
2: it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go.
1: It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work
3: Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
0: The all-new Toyota Highlander is designed to go Highlander. What's go Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your comfort with available premium leather interior and ventilated seats. And amplifying your groove with an available booming 11-speaker JBL audio system. Or even amplifying your crew with roomy seating for up to eight. Don't just go. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander. Toyota, let's go places. JBL is a registered trademark of Harman International Industries, Incorporated.
1: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on, folks, what feels like a dire Sunday The Cubs, similar to how they started the weekend series against the Brewers at Wrigley Field a week ago, win the first game in exciting fashion, and then it all falls off the rails. The Cubs drop three straight games after winning the opener on Thursday they fall to four and a half games behind the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central, and I, I think that if you guys will allow us, we're just going to let this podcast flow. We did not discuss any particular outline or topics because the topic is the situation that the Cubs are in, and that has a lot of different facets to it and and things that will break down, but I think we're just gonna let sh- you know shoot this one from the hip, Brendan.
2: <sighs> I there look there's no main topics right now. It's all over the place. Chris Bryan has a knee injury. Javi Baez is going to be out for probably the regular season. Joe Madden's making dumb decisions. The the depth is an issue. Maybe we have no shortstops now with Addison Russell going on. The concussion protocol. Like where to even begin with this? It's just been so difficult to muster up the emotions, the anger, whatever you whatever you want, right, to talk about this team right now, because there, this is such a systematic problem, and there's no right answers. There's so, tons of problems, no right answers. We have no idea what the answers are. The solutions probably won't even be fully addressed until the offseason, and it, it's hard to find the direction to go down right now. They're still one and a half games up in that wild card. So there is some, you know, optimism there, but you just don't know with this depth issue with these injuries, how they're going to perform the best, the next 20 games. It sucks, Corey. Like this is, this truly does suck. That's the best way I can put it.
1: Right. I think that's the the most frustrating thing. And I I was reading a post about this on cubsinsider.com from Evan Altman, who we've had on a lot. And he, the, the basic premise of his piece from Sunday Morning was basically that this series with Milwaukee and some of these losses is the same movie we have seen over and over and over again this season. And I think that's why it's particularly frustrating for all of us that were following this team at the end of last year, paid attention to the offseason, season maybe pointed out some of these concerns, right? Like, I'm not so sure how this bullpen is going to fare. I'm not so sure that the position player depth is in the right place. How is that going to work? And it really, since the beginning of the season, it's it's been a lot of these same losses. Bullpen can't hold leads. The offense maybe does some damage early, but doesn't pour it on. They don't open the floodgates. They don't stick with it. I mean, think of how many times this year, guys, we've talked about games where the Cubs do good work in the first couple innings. They score one, two, three runs, something like that. And that's just it. The rest of the game is nothing. You know, so many games where they score two in the first couple innings and then they get one hit for the other eight innings of the game, right? It's a very familiar feeling watching a lot of these games. And you combine that with a weekend here in Milwaukee where you get not so great efforts from both Cole Hamels and John Lester, two guys who you would really look to in a series like this to be those stoppers and to play that veteran role. And John has done it so many times. Cole has done it so many times. And they just didn't have it in in this Brewers series. And that allows the Brewers to do what the Cubs have not, which was open the floodgates and kind of break games open and here we are and and I think it's it's just very easy to be frustrated with the way that these series have played out because now you've lost two series in the span of like what 10 days to the Brewers and (laughs) you do so in a fashion where you win the first game in exciting fashion I mean when when I was watching that game on Thursday Brendan I was so pumped to come on here and talk about that Kyle Schwarber Grand Slam because we've talked for a long time now about the work that he's been doing the adjustments that he's been making the progress that he's been making and how it was showing now. And at the you know, at the end of Sunday, who even cares? Right? Like if we got on here and talked about the Kyle Schwarber Grand Slam, I'd expect half of you guys to turn this podcast off and be like, what are these guys talking about? So yeah. it's it's just a very frustrating spot. And again, like it's tough to litigate through some of these issues now, because when we talk about the bullpen and the additions that were made, you know, we still don't know exactly in this offseason, did Theo just not want to sign top-end bullpen guys? Did Tom Ricketts not give him the funds to do so until it became apparent that they needed Craig Kimbrell? I don't know, and I don't know that we're ever going to know, but it's very frustrating to still, in September, be talking about the way the bullpen is managed and that the bullpen can't hold specific leads and yeah. it's it's just such a similar problem and and you, to go back to the bias situation you know even when they tendered the contract to Russell and we we went through this a million times our feelings on it and it's not really relevant at this particular moment but even in signing Russell we still wanted them to add depth and add shortstop depth, because at that time, you're looking at the two guys, Javi and Russell, who you feel comfortable playing major league shortstop for this team pretty much in the entire organization, right? And here we are in a spot where Javi's not going to be able to go. You know, first of all, that Javi has been gutting through multiple injuries. I'm sure that heel injury never really got to 100%. And it was probably only something that it's like, look, you're going to need the offseason until this is better. You need to take (laughs) four months and sit off of it until it's better, right? So you know he's probably been dealing with that. Now he's dealing with stuff on his hand. I'm sure that's not even the extent of it, right? You know this guy is like a hockey player in the NHL playoffs. He's probably got broken bones and torn muscles that he's just been playing through because he's that kind of guy. But... You're in a place now where you're in mid-September, and he's going to be unavailable. Addison Russell was hit, I, I think, in the face. It was hard to kind of tell. It looked like he got pretty lucky that it might have clipped a little bit of the bill of his helmet to not completely just hit him in the face. Uh, but you know, now he's in the concussion protocol where they're checking him after the game on Sunday. He has a, a messed up nose now because of this, and you don't have a, a major league shortstop. Like David Bodie will do a fine job he's he's been more than uh, he's done more I, I think than an admirable effort of being open to whatever the Cubs need him to do working on those positions we see him all the time taking ground balls before games and stuff like that but Brendan like you're in a spot where you're not winning the division right now by four and a half games you're trying to stave off half the national league from taking you out of the wild card spot and you don't have a major league shortstop on the roster. And well, that, yeah. that's just not a, a good place to be, and it's one that is not revisionist history on our parts or other writers and bloggers and pe- just people on Twitter. Like, people were asking these questions in December, saying, okay, yeah. well, like, we should probably be improving the depth. Like, where is the depth? Where are you filling? I mean, how many times over this offseason did – You all hear me say, if you're not going to go big for Machado and Harper, that's totally fine, but fill in the cracks. And here's a big crack that's just being exposed here in the middle of September. And so I think that's where it's particularly frustrating, right? Because these were all things that I think the writing was on the wall for a long time. This season started With us banging our heads against the wall with how this bullpen was performing, how Joe was using some of these guys, and how many wins this team was just throwing in the trash because they didn't have any depth in the bullpen. And we get to Saturday on September 7th when they're losing the division, Brendan, and Derek Holland and David Phelps are pitching in the eighth inning of a one run. And then after Phelps blew it, a tie game can't be happening right? Like we're living on the edge here. We joke about this all the time. We're living on the edge of trying to not go explicit. We're saving it, all right? It'll happen. If if this season continues to play out like this, it'll happen, I promise. But for now, it just doesn't feel appropriate. And so you guys just got to know we're living on the edge. When I'm talking about David Phelps and Derek Holland pitching in the eighth inning of a one-run game when you're losing the division by three games, you can trust that there's, <laughs> there's a couple expletives uh, on the tip of my tongue. And again, like, a lot of stuff happens that's out of Joe's control, that's out of the front office's control, that's out of these players' control, right? All these injuries and other things that happen, like Ben Zobrist not being available for so many months, etc., like, some of this stuff is not within anybody's control, and blaming people or complaining about it isn't going to be that productive. But, Regardless of what you can and can't control, I think if I told any of you at the beginning of the year, and perhaps now this is getting into specific things that we're concerned about, Brendan, but if I had told any of you that at the beginning of the year, right, with all the expectations after the way the 2018 season ended, with everything that was going on around this team, that they would be three games behind the Cardinals one and a half games ahead in the second wild card spot with Almora and his 570 OPS leading off and David Phelps and Derek Holland pitching to Christian Jelic and Yasmani Grandal in the Brewers lineup on September 7th. I, I think that would blow all of our minds i think back in march you'd be like what are you talking about (laughs) right (laughs) like what do you mean like that's how this is going to play out like that's just stuff where i know stuff is out of their control i know sometimes you have a good process and the results just don't match it for whatever reason but i don't care what the process was brendan i don't care what is or isn't in your control the way that saturday's game in particular plays out is totally unacceptable for this team for the expectations that they have for the payroll that they have and for their lack of performance in in the playoffs over the last year plus
2: joe madden's explanation for why he went with phelps followed by holland you you can see the logic of what he's trying to do the problem though is that's that well, here's the thing that the problem with that is that's a risky idea. You're assuming that, and it does make sense if you get past those two guys, you get past Grindel, you get past Yelich. Now you have Rowan Wick for four outs. If you want to do that, I I get what Joe is doing there. The problem is that was not the right dis. That was not the most conservative type solution there. That was a very risky proposition right. to get through two of the best hitters on that team with two of your probably worst relievers in the system right now. Well, and Brendan, just to
1: jump in there, like I don't care about Derek Holland's particular splits that you want a lefty on Yelich. Derek Holland was let go. This is someone the Cubs picked up off the scrap heap. He shouldn't be throwing meaningful innings like that when you are three games out of the division. It can't happen. And for Rowan Wick and Brandon Kinsler not to touch the ball— until the lead has already been blown, is just not acceptable management. I'm sorry. If you want to go down with Derek Holland on the mound, you can be my guest, right? But that was a situation where you bring in your best relievers and you either win or lose with your top guys, not guys that you picked up off the damn scrap heap that the Giants didn't want, that non-playoff teams didn't even want all right like you can look at whatever splits you want i don't care you shouldn't be losing games with david phelps and Derek holland it's inexcusable
0: geico knows there are many reasons why you ride from the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular.
1: I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. Geico
0: Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
3: That's a camera, isn't it?
0: There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details.
2: Yeah, and I whenever we bring up Madden's decisions, at least, you know, I get tweeted at by people saying, "Oh, well, the roster right now is in shambles and the offense is not performing." And like, yeah, I'm totally on board with those thoughts as well. But these decisions by Madden amplify those issues, right? right? Like there is perfect reason to be upset, pissed off about these moves. Like, Albert Almora should never, Corey, never I can't, be batting, I can't believe leadoff.
1: we're doing this again, Brendan. I thought I know, we were done, No, and that's man. what I'm
2: trying to say. But before we go into the Almora thing, yeah. I want to point out, too, like, Madden's bullpen management over the last two seasons has been scrutinized. And it's because his mindset is that of, like, a risky... Strategy, and we go back to that 2017 playoffs, right John Lackey taking the hill oh, brandon your extra innings. I know I am, <laughs> but um, you can see where I'm, you'll see where I'm going yeah. with this John Lackey in the 10th inning, whatever that was, maybe this ninth inning whatever the logic Madden said that he was using there was to get to his big eaters the best bullpen arms later in the game right. so he risked that. He wanted to use his guys who are not the best guys to get through that piece of the order to protect and, and try to get later in the game with a competitive score. That's who he is. Madden hasn't changed his philosophy in two years. This is how he manages to bullpen. But it's weird, though, because there are times, even in that 2016 playoff run, where he uses... Chapman multiple innings. He uses a quick hook on Kyle Hendricks. And you can have whatever idea you want with that. But Madden, it's, it's almost unpredictable. But the majority of the times that he goes out there and makes these pitching changes, it's a risky one. It's him trying to elongate the game to get to those relievers later on. And it hasn't worked. Derek Holland, Corey, as you said, should never, ever be pitching to the best hitter in major or in the National League, outside of Major League Baseball, should never be pitching to him. That can't. That just can't happen. So when you when you look at all the issues the Cubs have had this year, and you compare their record to the Cardinals and to Milwaukee, Milwaukee is outperforming their Pythag record right. by six wins. Okay, that's because they have Josh Hader, and Council has no issue going with Hader early in the game, and he's he's a he's a fireman. He's a stopper in that regard. The Cardinals, they are right at their mark, their expected win mark, okay? The Cubs are performing two games worse, but they could be not just two games worse, they could be at, you know, the standard average zero difference mark, but they could be that plus six six two, like what Milwaukee is doing right now. And Madden is just unwilling and has been unwilling to pitch those best guys early in the game. And he's waiting too long. And that, that can't happen. Right. So we'll see what happens in the offseason with Madden. But I do just want to like really emphasize that there are issues beyond Madden. There are issues in the developmental system, the yeah. minors. Theo's roster is full of holes. He is fully responsible for this. He's fully responsible for bringing back Madden. But at the same time, Madden is really doing his best to amplify those issues. And it's okay to have different... Anger and frustration towards the front office compared to Joe. Maybe you're not that pissed off at Joe. That's fine. I don't really care. But that's kind of the nature of the situation. For me right now, it's on a weekly basis whom I'm most upset at. Right now, it's Joe Madden. That was a terrible managed series against a team that was on the cusp, Corey, of being out of playoff contention. Right. And you threw it away. Yeah, and you I absolutely threw that away. And I,
1: and I think that you you bring up a good point, and it's it's always good for conversations like this. And I, th- you know, again, if if this continues to progress like this over the next few weeks and maybe even months, like there's a lot going on here. None of this, this weekend, the way the season plays out, whatever you want to look at, none of this is one is can be laid at the feet of one person, right? You can go back to the offseason and say that the Rickets should have spent more money. You can look at Theo and say that the Ricketts did spend enough money and he had some bad contracts that either were good ideas, some were bad ideas, and some worked, some didn't. You could say Theo did this right or wrong. You could say Joe did this right or wrong. And if you feel like it, you can just lay it all at the feet of the 25 people actually playing baseball right? So it's never one thing and and even one game is almost never one person's fault, right? Because you you look at something like Saturday. Saturday is a good example, right? Russell has the throwing error that lets the winning run on base that ultimately scores. He also hits a home run. The offense also stops scoring at a certain point. They wasted a bases loaded no outs chance with Castellanos, Rizzo, and Bryant. And they got one run that Hader walked in, right? Then you can look at the bullpen and say they couldn't hold a couple separate leads. So it's even on one game, it's it's ne- almost never, right? One person's singular fault. And that's how you look at a team construction, right? This is an organization for a reason. It's it's not just one person. It's not just one department. It's, it's not, again, just 25 guys showing up to play baseball. There is a whole infrastructure around them. And I, I think that the key to the diagnostic portion of this 2019 season, whether you're doing it now or in the off season, whether they may miss the playoffs altogether or whether they get that second wild card and win the World Series, right? You have yeah. to look at every single part and be, I think, open to saying, I think that what's going on here is good. I think that what's going on here is bad and might be a spot where we can look at some change, but it's almost never going to be one thing. And just to, before we keep going here, uh, another one that I do want to make clear, because this comes up sometimes, right? Brendan and I are two Cubs fans just expressing our opinion on this. We're just talking through these things with you guys. We like to share opinions. We like to share thoughts I, You guys know this. I've been open about this. I tried to work for the Chicago Cubs. I interviewed with the Chicago Cubs. I worked in multiple other front offices in different capacities. I didn't get the job, right? So I'm not sitting here saying I know better than anybody or that I could be doing a better job because I tried and couldn't, right? So I'm fully aware of that. But we're just living and breathing with this team like anybody else and we're just talking through it. So uh you, you just see that come up, that that there's kind of like a well, Joe and Theo know better than you. And it's like, yeah, I mean of course Theo Epstein knows better than me, right? Like I, I yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um I'm not I'm not contesting that. We're just talking through this stuff. We're just sharing our opinions. Nobody's smarter than Theo Epstein. I'm not a better manager than Joe Madden. We're just talking through this stuff. If you want to just take what Joe says about certain decisions and take it as gospel and take it as the 100 per, 100% correct answer and correct process, you can just listen to Joe's post game and you can listen to some of the beat writers that just say, well, here's the answer that he gave. That's it. Right, yeah, but yeah. but you know what's the point like what we're, we're we're trying to have an interesting conversation talk through these issues and uh yeah I, I just want to throw that out there like nobody thinks they're smarter than anybody I don't think that I could be the president of the Chicago Cubs I tried and failed I'm very open about that so <laughs> uh I, I just like to throw that out there because you know sometimes I think yeah. for sure I think that you know you don't want it to get taken in the wrong way like we're not getting on our high horse here like talking down to people as if we're you know the the know-it-alls we're just trying to make sense of it all we're we're disappointed we're we're sad fans at the moment right like so we're just trying to make sense of it all but brendan i i want to turn specifically i have to talk about this for at least two seconds right You mentioned it already, but you have to let me just, like, unleash on this for— What, the Elmora one? Yes, Brendan. It's September 7th. This team is out by three games, two and a half going into Saturday, but you know the Cardinals are playing the stinking Pirates, right, who we were lucky won one of those games. You cannot lead off with a guy with a 570 OPS. He has been awful against left-handed hitters. Awful. And I asked friend of the podcast, Jordan Bastion, the Cubs writer for MLB.com, who we've had on here, does great work, you should be following. I asked him, what do you think is the logic with this? And he replied to me that they had not talked to Joe yet, but typically it's a, you know, we need to get Joe uh, Almora going against lefties, like he had at times in the past. And he has good numbers in a 10 plate appearance split Against Gio Gonzalez, and I, th- th- we th- th- again no that sense. was before that was Jordan assuming this is what Joe would say. I I think with the way that game played out, they didn't bother asking him. There was just uh, too much other too stuff much to talk about. Out. But I have said so often when we go on these little rants that I I don't even have a problem with him playing. He he's a good defender. He he can give some guys a rest. It's fine, right? But to lead him off is such a laughable decision that I couldn't believe it when I was looking at it. I couldn't believe it when I went on this same rant two months ago, right? And then he got sent down. He hit sub 200 in AAA, gets called up. And in September, we're talking about getting him going, Brendan? With what time? Yeah. With what time are we doing this? You're, I said this to end the last podcast, so if you dipped out before like the very end, you might not have heard this. But I said that this is just me from the stands looking at this, and I know it's not really the case, but sometimes this team plays and is managed as though they have a 10-game lead in this division, and they, they like almost sure. don't realize that they might not even make the playoffs. And Brendan and and we've and
2: we've heard so much too the entire year about this season being one of reckoning. This season having October start in March, the theme was urgency, and to some degree they have shown urgency at times. But I don't think it's like them not being urgent, Corey. I think it's like Joe Madden and some of these other. It's just Joe Madden. I think right now, identifying when to be urgent or identifying the urgent situations has been problematic for him. But Brendan, like, I thought he, it was
1: Big Boy yeah. Time. Well, here, Brendan, what happened the to
2: Big Boy Time? But that's the point I'm making is like yeah, that the the intention is there. Like Joe's intention is is always well-suited, right? But it's identifying when to be urgent when to push the pedal has been an issue for him and here's another example too before you go back into the lineup like john lester in the sunday game had to be taken out out too long after he gave Mm -hmm. up six runs because what happened now the game was eight to five in the ninth inning josh Hader came in it was a three-run game and that was it the game was over so it's it's so easy to put a lot of the blame on the roster construction, a lot of the guys not living up to expectations. Also, Joe Madden as well. But the intention seems to be there. It's just they're not executing. And the identification of these urgent situations, I I don't understand how you can miss that. Like, I don't understand how you can bat Alberto Mora leadoff. Right. It just, it blows my and mind. And Again,
1: this is one of those spots where you got to look at the whole thing, right? And I'm aware, like... They tried Jason Hayward; it worked. You know, he he had been having a resurgent season. Went into the leadoff spot; it didn't work. You've tried some of these other guys in that spot. Nothing has really caught on. So, like, that's one where I understand where Joe is in a spot where he's searching for answers, trying to make something work, which I think is, you know, a good representation of what I was saying before. Where it's it's not a simple answer to any of this right there's always nuance and there's always a lot going on but there is no time for this at all at all you're you're like, not going he genuinely to
2: believes he that's the best option though like that's that's what i mean is like identifying urgency or identifying ways to use his players. Joe Madden's typically been pretty good at that the past three seasons. This season, though, I don't know if it's a new cast of guys, it's just an unfamiliarity with his bullpen, or even the skill set of some of these players after the scouting reports have changed. But for some reason, it seems like this year in particular, Corey, this year seems like Joe is just not using the guys in optimal situations. I don't Look, I don't know what the numbers are with that, but it just feels that way. And we never had these conversations in years past. We were always pretty emphatic that Joe would find guys the right matchups. He would find them the right opportunities to play, and a lot of them flourished, especially in that 2017 year when Ian Happ had a great year. A lot of the guys found their roles, their niche, and by the second half, it all clicked. Like it took Joe a little bit, but it all clicked in the second half this year. I don't know what's going on. I really, I'm at a loss.
1: Well, and we've given Joe credit before in the past for pushing through some stuff that felt a little uncomfortable, right? Like the only way that the Cubs figured out that they could get a year's worth of pretty quality relief from someone like Brian Dunsing was because Joe threw him out there. When When he first joined the team, he was like, look, let's try this out. Let's see what we got right? And early on... He was pretty
2: bad too for the first yeah, few weeks. Yeah, and early remember on I remember it made like, a
1: lot of us yeah. uncomfortable thinking, you know, what's right. going on with this guy? And then by the end of the year, you're like, okay, well, I guess I'm glad that Joe stuck with that and, and tried to push through that and see what we have because now we've got to I mean even Kyle
2: Ryan this year to a degree like yes. I think there were there were moments when even I I know I know you too were like you know what I don't think Kyle Ryan can be pitching in the seventh or eighth inning yeah absolutely now when he's not out there we're like what the hell why is he not out there so right t- so to some degrees he's been he has identified good and accurate ways to get the
1: best out of some of these guys well and so but my, my the point majority that seems was, to be not the case my, yeah my point with that was that that's all fair and good, but you have to know when to say, like, and, and this is what's so frustrating about it is he did say this. I'm about to quote him, which is so frustrating. It's like, you have to know when it's time to shut down those experiments, stop playing around with guys that have been inconsistent over the past couple seasons, or just this season with their career, and go to your big boys, right? like you have to know when that moment is and again like I am willing to give everybody the benefit of the doubt on anything there's so many things going on in that clubhouse with injuries and usage and things like that that we don't know about we can't know about Brendan and I would never pretend to speak from a place of knowledge or insight on certain things but again I don't care what any of that is if you are in a spot where you are blowing the division like they are, letting the Cardinals now build up, what is this, the biggest lead that they've had all, all season? No doubt. Yeah. Like, yep. you cannot be going down with Derek Holland and Albert Almora and David Phelps. It can't happen. And you brought up a, a perfect counterexample. Craig Council is not losing games with Josh Hader sitting in the bullpen. Craig Council yep. is going to break off Josh Hader's arm before they lose games that are close and winnable. And that's what the And that's, and that's the Cubs why they have, doing. and that's why they outperform a lot of those expected
2: right. win numbers we owe.
1: Like, see. Brendan,
2: there, throw, there's a reason to the madness there.
1: Throw Rowan Wick for three straight games. You have to do it throw Kinsler out there more. Wilson, I know he can't be playing every day. I know he's coming back from an injury, but the way that his bat looked when he came back, for him to sit in two of these games, there's no time for this. Brendan, if he's going to hurt himself, then obviously don't play him. But if you're just being cautious for the sake of being cautious, you don't have the time for it like these losses yeah. are burying the season brendan like i it it's it's just one of those things where like this feels more dire than they seem to be acting like it is and and maybe there's just so much going on that it it just is the way it is i don't know but To see some of these lineups, to see some of the guys that are getting playing time and being asked to perform in high leverage spots, just like, guys, there's no time for this. This needs to be the best nine position players or best eight position players every day plus the starter and riding your good relievers until they have nothing left. Nothing. But to be turning to some of these other guys in these spots, like, this is what you get, man. This is what you get when you have David Phelps and Derek Holland trying to shut down Christian Yelich for Christ's sake. Like yep. <laughs> this is what you're going to get, and and you just don't have the ability to do it. And and again, it, it's it's all to say you can put that on Joe for the way he's using the guys. You can put it on Theo for putting Derek Holland on the roster. You can go any which way that you want, right? but it doesn't matter. All that matters is that it's not a position the Chicago Cubs should be in. This is not a conversation that we should be having, but here we are. So I I think that's kind of the rant on on the weekend. I'm not not really sure I have anything else to say on that. I I mean, just overall, like the offensive performance, super frustrating, you know, once again, uh, I, I think for... Them to play the way that they did in the first games of these series, the one at Wrigley Field and the one at Miller Park. I think we all went into the rest of those series feeling like they were going to be big weekends for the Cubs. They were going to be kind of statement series wins, put Milwaukee out to pasture and out of everybody's mind and get ready for these last few weeks and ultimately these seven games with the Cardinals. And you just have the opposite happen afterward. They just show no ability to have that relentless offensive approach that really gets these starters on the ropes. You have Gio Gonzalez, who has a ERA above five against every other team in the league, but an ERA sub two against the Chicago Cubs. You know, again, like we're talking about all of this stuff, Joe, Theo, the players, and when I say everything needs to get your scrutiny when we're looking right now or in the off season, I mean everything. And I'm talking about the rest of the front office, the way that they're drafted, the way that they're developed. I've tweeted a few times but you gotta look at like people like Jeff Greenberg and the pro scouting department because I look at these games, and I think you do too, Brendan, and there's a lot of games where it doesn't look like they're particularly well-prepared for a starter that either has no experience or is getting killed by the rest of the league. Gio Gonzalez, Ivan Nova, Lambert on Colorado, who makes two starts, his first two starts against the Cubs, dominates them, and then is getting killed by everybody else afterward. This happens way too much. And so it's all just to say, like, again, it's not ever one thing it's it's a whole team a whole process a whole organization for a reason and you can kind of lay lay the bits of blame wherever you want. I, I, You know, it's like that scene in the office where they're they're voting and they're placing the, the beans on the on the people's picture, right? Like <laughs> you have 20 beans of anger. You can put them wherever you want. Like, I don't care. You, you know, just try to figure out where they deserve to be, I guess. But it's all just to say this was a very frustrating weekend. You, you really felt like it started on a great note that Kyle Schwarber Grand Slam should have been the moment of the weekend, right? That just started a, a brilliant weekend for the Cubs to get them positioned against the Cardinals, get a little more safety in that second wild card spot, and again, like I was talking about Good with work. that piece from Evan, it's more of the same. Bullpen can't hold leads. Your starters can't protect those leads. They give them right back. They can't give you quality starts, and the offense disappears. And so here we are. And I and I was actually just watching the post game live with Kelly Crull and David DeJesus on NBC Chicago following the game on Sunday. And I thought that David DeJesus put it pretty simply and, and pretty well in saying, I think we all know, as you and I, Brendan, have been saying a lot throughout this season, I think we all know this team has talent and, and has the ability to get hot and go on a run and perform well, but with what we've looked at over the last few months and, and few weeks especially, what are we counting on? right? How comfortable do you feel on counting that that's going to happen? And and I'm like you, Brendan. I, I, sure. I, I don't not really not sure. know how how on the ledge I, I'm willing to go for this team, you know, and, and how much I'm really willing to stick my neck out. Because at this point, it just, it feels like you're asking for something that just isn't happening and, and is not what you are watching. And I think sometimes you have to like, be able to step back and say like, this is the reality of the situation. This is how this team has played for a long time. We've we've read those splits about how, you know, they have been close to 500, a little above, a little below depending on when you're looking for a hundred-ish plus games. Like this is not some recent thing. This is not some fluke. This is who this team is. And can they get it right at the right time and and do damage? Yeah. I, I like I I still believe that to a degree, but Is that going to happen? I don't know. I think you would be pretty, it's pretty risky, I think, to like just totally believe that's going to happen because at some point, you know, when when a team shows you who they are, you got to believe them at a certain point.
2: Yeah. And two other housekeeping notes before we wrap up here and preview the upcoming series. First note, Yu Darvish won five innings first start after skipping his last one due to forearm tightness. So he took 10 days off. Came back, looked really good, Corey. Um, looked like classic Yu Darvish, throwing 95, 96, 97. Showcasing, <laughs> arguably, what, 10 pitches? You know, there's controversy about that. But he looked good. Only went towards 72 or 70. 70- controversy from jerks, so. Sure, yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, I think he threw around 75 pitches. You can, you know, check me on that if you want. But regardless, cannot go past five innings. They want to protect his health, his stamina, going down the stretch, Um but it looked good. So good to see. Second housekeeping note, Chris Bryant. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that in terms of what the Cubs should, or rather what you want to see them do going forward. Bryant went into Madden's office after Saturday's game and said, he can't play. It says it's his knee injuries affecting every facet of his game his base running, his fielding, his hitting. Madden in particular said, that Brian's having an issue with his balance uh, and on his follow-through swing. So that sucks. That's not what you want to hear from the the best player on this team and one of the better, most talented players in professional baseball. He's been dealing with this injury since the All-Star break, even probably before that. And he's come back once early on in August after taking a Sunday game off. He came back over the next 50 player appearances, With four home runs, batting over 300 and looking pretty good. Unfortunately, after that August stretch in mid August, the the knee barked up again, which has led to our current point where now you don't know if it's going to heal. And he even, like Bryant even said, this is not going to heal this year. He said that, like he has to wait till the offseason for this to fully heal. So, with that in mind, like, what would you want to see the Cubs do? Do you want to just say, hey, you know what? Take a week off, take, 10 days off, or whatever, or do you want them to go on a day-by-day basis, and when Brian's feeling, you know, okay, still play him, but risk the possibility of him not playing consecutive games, or risk the possibility of not getting peak Bryant performance for the rest of the season. Where are you with that? For me, here's here's where I am. I, I know we have to be urgent. They're four and a half games back. I know we're only a game and a half up on the division, but when Bryant's been playing through this injury and doing these off days, every other, you know, three or four days or so, the performance has not been there. And we've gotten to a point where it's been almost three months now, and it's not healed. And he hasn't had extended time off outside of those few days in the All-Star break. I think where I am right now is you got to rest him for a week, two weeks. I, I, I know it sucks, Corey. I know it does. But right now, is he truly, a truly better option than Ian Happ playing every day? Like Is the margin of error so in Chris Bryant's favor where playing Ian Happ on a healthy level is worse than that injured Chris Bryant? I don't know. I don't think that's the case right now. So I'm at the point where you got to rest Chris Bryant so maybe you can get the best out of him in the last 12 games, in the last 10 games. And for those next 10 games, go with Ian Happ, who's healthy, who's been pretty good in his limited playing time. Go with David Bodie at third base if Russell can be healthy. Bodie's been pretty good too. His last 40 plate appearances, he's batting over 400. Made some adjustments, maybe that's working. I'm at the point where Bryant needs to sit for a week, two weeks, until you know you can get 75% of Chris Bryant, not 30%, not 20%, where he can't keep his balance. That can't happen, Corey.
1: Right, and and I think that this is also a good point to mention. Like, I always I always say like I don't I don't really have a dog in this race. I just want the Cubs to win. This is a good example. Like, we're not going to sit here and rag on Discalso and Almora all year, and then just pretend like Chris Bryant is fine. Like, he's not. And there's different reasons for all of this. But when you're in a situation like this. At the very least, whether you want to rest him completely or whatever, you have to act like he's not hitting like himself. That's the key. And so if right. you want to rest him, that's fine you want him to, if you can get to a point where he can be a little more comfortable at any point in the season, I think that's what you should be striving for. But at the very least, and and we saw this when he moved to the five hole, like, you have to acknowledge that he's not hitting like himself. You can't just keep throwing him out there in the two hole, the three hole, the four hole, whatever, as if he's performing like himself, because he's not. You just have to be willing to admit that. And it's so obviously because of this knee injury that the timing of it is exact when you look at some of how you know how his stats have rolled and things like that but at the very least you have to acknowledge like this guy is not healthy he is not performing at his peak level so, move some like Kyle Schwarber is hitting the cover off the ball. Let and, and we've seen him move up in the order. You got to keep doing that with some of these guys. And, like you said, Bodie's been playing better. Get him in there, get him higher in the order. Wilson looks really good since he's come back. Get him in there, get him higher in the order. Like, you have to be again, I think it all goes back to that urgency, right, Brendan? Like, you have to be looking and going, Chris Bryant is not right. Okay? Whether we can fix it for this year, whether it's not gonna be fully healthy till next year, I don't know. You have to deal with that internally. But you have to approach every lineup and, and make it the best that you can. I and mean, if he's not right, you you have to act accordingly. And and sometimes again with other things, it just takes the Cubs too long to to make these decisions. So I I don't know, man. It's it's a real mess. Uh so are you with me then? You wanna you wanna if, if, they, think, elongated if they think that he can get to a point where he's comfortable for the final couple weeks and not dealing with this as much, then yes. But if it's one of those things where it just is what it is, then, you know, I don't know. I, you know, maybe try to get him in there and just move him down the order and see if he can get more comfortable. I I, I don't know. But we know. It's just what a, bad, doing, it's a bad right? situation, you know. But we know what they've
2: been doing by giving him an off day every 10 days. It hasn't worked. It, hasn't, it has not worked. He's been the same... For the majority of this stretch, the same guy that he was with that knee injury in July. He had that one small, you know, 10 game stretch that I just said. And that maybe does give more reason to go with what they're doing right now, with giving him an off day every other day. Maybe that does make the most sense. But like, if there's no, you know, I don't want to overstep my boundaries here with this medical stuff, but it doesn't seem like their current way is fixing the issue. It seems like the knee injury has been the same as it has been for the last two and a half months. So try something different, right? Like give him more rest. And not only that, it's beyond even getting KB right, which of course he wanted to be right. It's the fact that he's not a productive player with this knee injury. And no one should be. Imagine trying to play with a knee that's like having you not able to balance yourself. That's an insane task to do on a major league level. So at the very least, even if the knee won't be where he wants it to be after a week, I just don't have the confidence right now that Ian Happ is a worse possible solution than an injured Chris Bryant. I just, I can't get myself to think like that.
1: Yeah. So um, the the only other thing I want to say before I let you preview this uh series well it's it's two things first of all again like this is a weird spot right because they are still chasing a playoff spot and i will never throw a season in the garbage when there's a chance to be in the playoffs if you can get in you can line things up how you want you've always got a chance to mess around. So I, you know, as I've said a million times, like we're either riding this train to glory or we're going down with the shit. Like, but the Cubs related podcast (laughs) is never going to start writing off a season or anything like that when there's still a chance, no matter how pissed off or concerned or whatever we are. So it's a weird spot because it's, this has been extremely frustrating. These two weekends with the Brewers, I mean, are really enough to make you want to just like take a bat to the TV or computer that you're watching a game on. But we, we got to press on at least for a little bit here, right before we can like fully unleash and, and break this thing open and, and figure out what's going on. But the, the, the other thing that I wanted to say, and we touch on it a little bit, but like I I assume, he's a friend of the podcast. I assume that Javi listens to every episode. And I just want to throw out there that it's gut-wrenching that he suffers this injury and is probably not going to be out there uh, for the rest of the regular season, maybe even beyond that, if they do make the playoffs. Um, He is truly the heart and soul of this team. He's one of those guys, you know, he would take bullets out there for the Chicago Cubs, for that C on his hat and and for all of us fans. And it's it's terrible that this is how his season is possibly going to end. And just to put it out there, uh, I I think he knows this, but just to have one more voice out there saying this, uh, Cubs fans love we love you, Javi Baez. We are, are very grateful for everything that you do for this team and the fact that you are willing to lay your body on the line for this organization. So it's uh, a shame to be in this spot and that he won't be there to try and lift this team up over these last few weeks. Uh, but he is the he is the heart and soul. You, you could argue, while he isn't the captain, he, he might be the face of the Chicago Cubs team. And uh, we, we, we thank him for everything that he's done. And if this is the last that we see of him on the field in 2019, uh, it's it's been a pleasure as always, Javi. And, and we, we thank you for what you've done. And uh, it sucks, man. But I, I just wanted <laughs> to throw that out there.
0: Geico gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that Geico is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like your mom, when you fill out really, really important paperwork on the first day of a new job.
1: Name, check, birthday, social security, is that a thing? Hey, mom, what is my social security number? Mom, mom, mom... Okay, let's guess. Uh, 0017.
0: Oh, Gemini. Hashtag done. Uh, Geico, always there for you with savings and 24 7 access to licensed agents. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca Cola or Coca Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20 ounce bottle of Dyed Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So, no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go. Grab an ice cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
2: Uh okay, we're uh we're finishing this episode off in a pretty sad note, but you know it is what it is. Alright, so let's preview this four game set in San Diego. Of course. What a great time, Corey, for a West Coast trip, right? They will be in San Diego for a Monday night game. That starts at 9:10 p.m. Central. We have Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs, who is 9-9 nine nine, with a 3.39 ERA. Quantrill for the Padres, 6-6 six six, with a 4.57. ERA on Tuesday, same start time, nine ten p.m. Central. We have Q on the mound, 13 and 8, with a 4.0 ERA. Blanos on the mound for the Padres, 0 and 1, with a 3.00 0, 0 ERA. On Wednesday, another late one, the same nine ten p.m. start time. We have Cole Hamels on the mound for the Cubs. C7 and 6, with 3.95 ERA. For the Padres, his paddock with an 8 and 7 record, a 3.54 ERA. To finish off this four-game set on Thursday, a day game, a 2:40 p.m. Central start time. Darvish on the mound, five and six with a 4.12 ERA. And you can get tickets to this series through SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee. SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together. Millions of tickets from all over the web, then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive, very easy to use seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details on that map. Green dots mean good deals, red dots mean overpriced deals. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the fastest and easiest way I found to shop for tickets. I used SeatGeek to find tickets to Wrigley Field a few weeks ago. I was going to go to the San Diego series, but I just can't muster the energy to go through a potential loss. But again, several really good tickets available for this weekend in San Diego. If you're looking for a vacation, if you're in the area, you can get tickets for $15 at the lowest in San Diego. Even better, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That is promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Please, if you are in San Diego, the Cubs need as much, as much energy that they can possibly get. And, tickets are at an all-time low there. Do yourself a favor. Use our promo code Cubs related. Get tickets to that series. Corey, what I'm looking for is simple. Win, 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 and win. Uh, no more Alberto Mora at leadoff. Get Schwarber up in the order. We saw him bat second. We saw him bat in the top of the order a few more times than we've seen in the past. Castellanos has been batting third because KB is out. Wilson Gutierrez getting back up there maybe in a cleanup spot since KB might be out again. Other than that, top to bottom, Zobris, Castellano, Schwarber, Rizzo, Contreras, those guys have to be your top five almost on a daily basis. I don't know what uh, type of shape Zobris is in, if he can handle an everyday role, but those at-bats against Milwaukee were phenomenal, professional at-bats. I want him in there every damn day, Corey. Again, I don't know if he's capable of doing it, but I, I don't care. Get the guy in every single day.
1: Yeah, I mean it's pretty simple, man. Uh you, you gotta win. There, there's no time for I, I don't care who performs, I don't care where they perform, when they perform, they they gotta win games. They're they're in a spot where they're there's no time for anything else. Uh, you have really played yourself into a tight spot. We, we we saw, you know, as the months drew on with this twenty nineteen season that this was gonna be possible, that that no one of those top three teams in the NL Central was really distancing themselves. And so you knew that you were going to be in for uh, a tough last couple months and one where it was going to come down to streaks and who was playing better on those margins. And it's not the Cubs right now. So you've got the time. You're in a playoff spot right now and you need to do everything you possibly can to hold on to it. So, like you said, it's not a great time to be heading out west. The Cubs have had very poor luck, showings, whatever, in, in San Diego in, in years past, but they're going to have to turn it on. They're going to have to show up and they're going to have to win games. So that's that's it's really that simple. That's just the point of the year that you're in. That's the situation that the Cubs are in and the one that they have played themselves in. This is the situation this team deserves to be in with the way that they have played. They, they, they Unfortunately, this is what they deserve. They're they're not going to get bailed out by everyone else in the NL Central being worse than them. And it doesn't look like they're going to get bailed out by nobody else coming for that second wild card, because there certainly appear to be teams that are quite hungry for it. So they're going to have to show up over these next few weeks. Uh, And before I sign off, I will leave you with the words of Joe Madden, the manager of the Chicago Cubs. And he says, quote, and he said this today on Sunday, There's only one way to deal with moments like this, and that is in the moment. Anxiety lives in the future. You've got to stay right here, right now. Things can change just as quickly. So, whether you believe that or you don't, we will be here to break it all down with you after the Cubs finish in San Diego, and we will be here with you breaking it all down twice a week all through the season, whether it goes well or whether it goes poorly, we will be here talking to you. So we thank you for listening to the Cubs related podcast. We will talk to you soon and whether things are going well or this team makes us want to pull our hair out, we will always end this show by saying, Go Cubs!
0: Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that GEICO always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular.
1: I had extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted. GEICO
0: Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
3: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required.
0: Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your baby to let you sleep in?
1: (laughs) What? We could sleep in another half hour? Yay. Thanks, sweetheart. Yay. Never. And you'll change yourself, too? Yay.
0: There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit geico.com for details. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne.